Welcome to The Edges of Lean. I'm Bella Engelbach, and in this podcast, we explore the human and creative side of lean thinking, unusual places where lean thinking is practiced. We meet people who are practicing continuous improvement in many different flavors and styles. So come along with me on a journey to the edges of lean. Episode 60, Continuous Improvement and the Art of Business with Fiona Valentine. On this podcast, we've talked a lot about what continuous improvers have to learn from artists and about how and why we can't practice continuous improvement without building our skills for creativity. Fiona Valentine is an artist who works right at that intersection of art, creativity, and business. She helps artists learn how to sell their art, and she helps business people tap into their creativity. And she knows a thing or two about lean thinking as well. Fiona Valentine, welcome to The Edges of Lean. Thank you, Bella. It's a pleasure to be here. Looking forward to talking all things lean and art. Lean and I, and, and thank you so much for, for being here to talk about that. Um, as my listeners know, I'm very interested in the relationship of creativity to lean thinking. And you have such an interesting take that I think is the opposite of where many of us are coming from. So could you tell us about yourself, what you're doing now, and how did you get into that um, way of working? It's been a long and winding road. I'm an artist and a business coach for artists. And I also work as a creative coach for businesses. So as an artist married to a lean specialist, there's been a lot of conversation in our house about art, about lean, and just seeing all the overlaps and my own personal journey of just discovering how core creativity is to being human, whether you're an artist or whether you're a baker or a landscaper or a manufacturer or a business owner doesn't matter what your career is that creativity is absolutely core so looking at ways that people implementing lean six sigma programs need to unlock the creativity of their people and the lessons I was learning working as an artist and teaching other people how to paint and seeing where people were getting stuck with these beliefs that they're not creative or things like that um, it's really been a developing journey and I love making that connection between art and business because I think the creative element is such an important thing that we need to help each other to unlock so we can reach our potential. Well you know I couldn't agree with you more on that and so can you tell us a little bit about your art so you're you're a you're a painter that's right. I'm a painter and I work in several mediums, watercolour, acrylic and oil. I also love drawing and I'm really drawn to landscape. Um, I love nature. So whether it's the big vistas or whether it's zeroing in on birds, flowers, the small details, anything to do with natural beauty just really um, delights me. I love the experience of being outside, like taking walks. Um, and I like translating that too the canvas in a way that just brings a sense of joy and beauty just to our everyday life I think we need that and so um, I enjoy the process but I also enjoy the result the value that it brings to workspaces living spaces all of that sort of thing so I paint but I also have taught many people to draw and to paint and these days I work particularly with artists helping them to set up a business as um, creatives we're entrepreneurs 
and also working with businesses and helping them to unlock the creativity of their teams. So I, the art making really led to um, this balance between my love for art and my love for teaching. I have a teaching background and a business background. And so that I love the way they all come together and I get to do all these different aspects of um, things that just light me up. That's really terrific because I think that, um, that even for people who have, um, you know, uh, in their life, in their non-business life, they have some aspect of create creativity. It's often sort of kept separate from work, right? So at work, I'm going to do my work um, and I may go off and do this very creative thing. I, you know, I may paint on the weekends or, or compose or, you know, do something else that is artistic in nature, that is that is really expressing creativity, resulting in, you know, in, in something physical or something that can be shared. But there's, um, there, there is this sense, I think, that that's not for work unless you're in a creative business. So why do you think that is? Why do, why do we have many of us that sense that, that these things are supposed to be separated? there's probably a whole lot of things going on there and and some of it is just we've become used to referring to certain kinds of creativity as creative and we're mm. forgetting that there's a lot of other kinds of creativity that need we're not using that label for even though that's what they are um so for all those people who are doing their art on the side and thinking of that as creative they're not realizing that just like going to the gym means you develop strength and you um, speed up your metabolism and you just bring an energy to all of your work. The same thing's happening with your creativity. Just because you labeled it creative when you were home painting on the weekend, what's happening in your brain means that those connections between all the diverse ways of thinking that different parts of our brain engage in, you're learning to bring them together because the painting process, the art process does that. But then when you go to work, your brain is still using those connections. It's using that confidence, that ability to, oh, there's so many things going on. One of them is confusion endurance. That was a term I learned from Michael Gelb who wrote How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci. And it confusion endurance is that strength to persevere with confusion, that horrible feeling of I've never done this before, I don't know where this is going, I'm not good at this, just the discomfort. And if you've forgotten what that feels like, just try writing your name with your non-dominant hand and you'll remember real quick how bad it feels. If you're dealing with a team implementing continuous improvement, your team are going to be feeling this all over the place and if some of them have a creative practice on the side, they're going to have more of this endurance, this ability to push through the discomfort, the uncomfortable conversations, the feeling, I don't know what I'm doing, and realize that it's going to get better, it's going to improve with repetition, and they're confident they're going to come out the other side with a solution because they're doing it all the time in their creative practice on the side. So it's really, really interesting how broad the creative process is and I think a big part of it is learning to use many different kinds of thinking and to understand ourselves enough to also understand the stages of a project, how to move from idea to finished outcome and all of the different phases along the way. So developing that kind of creativity has endless applications for every industry really. So 
to answer your question, I, yeah. I think part of it is that it's this thinking where we've um, we've just become a little bit too narrow in our ideas of creativity. And interestingly, 50% of people don't think that they're creative, which is absolutely untrue. 100% of humans are creative, but perhaps they haven't recognised it. Perhaps they just haven't developed it because like anything else, any other potential, it's got to be recognised, it's got to be developed, and that takes practice, that takes time. So if you're requiring people to engage to move through change, to come up with ideas, to problem solve, all of that sort of thing. But they're thinking, oh, yeah, but I'm not creative. I don't have a creative bone in my body. I can't even draw stick figures. All these sort of things we tell ourselves. It's going to be really hard to come up with the creative goods if you don't think you've innately got them. But when you understand that 100% of humans are creative, you are much more likely to be willing to engage with the process. If you've already engaged with the process through art making, you'll already have that confidence, but everybody else needs that confidence too. And I think it's, it's, it is interesting that we do define creativity narrowly for ourselves, right? So we do. for some people it is, well, I'm not creative because I, I can't paint or I can't draw or I can't play music or I can't, you know, I can't do whatever it is. And other people will say, well, I'm not creative because I'm not an ideator, but ideation for, you know, mm. like playing the violin is only one part of creativity. That's and, right. Uh, right. And, and so, you know, I think that, that we do have these, you know, we, we've, we've kind of created a definition for ourselves. Um, and sometimes I think particularly in sort of the lean continuous improvement, especially when it's coming out of, and I hate to say this engineering, which should be very creative, there is this idea that that creativity is sort of this wild uncontrolled thing that we don't want to allow too much of it in, right? Because right. It, we might end up with too many ideas, too many choices. We, you know, we've got to, we've, you know, we're lean people, we like our tools that help us choose and decide and make decisions and move forward. Um, and we're not as comfortable sometimes in those situations which are about, um, you know, we're, we're comfortable with doing an experiment, but then decide, you know, for, well, how we get to that experiment is sometimes hard for us. What are all the different choices that we could use could have in order to decide what to experiment and that can be scary so yes it can yes and so recognizing that we need a broader definition and that creativity has many different forms many different stages many different aspects and that really we need all of them and also understanding that creativity isn't an undisciplined wild thing you can have too many ideas but that's part of it. It's part of the process, isn't it? That we filter and we select. And so when you've got, you're not limiting creativity because you're scared that it's going to just get out of control, <laughs> but you're learning right. how to control it. Um, then some really interesting things open up, even recognizing that just sticking at the task can be really counterproductive. Stepping away from the task can actually free your creativity to engage in problem solving because it flips into a different zone. It starts making connections between these diverse 
thoughts, memories, experiences, aspects of thinking, and comes up with solutions. So staring at the computer screen and just persevering or staying on the job without taking a quick walk, taking, going, having a glass of water, a quick chat with someone, or just doing nothing, letting the sun shine on your skin for a few minutes can actually be a highly creative, highly productive part of the whole process. And when we let go of some of these fears about creativity and start to actually understand what goes on, we can be efficient, but we can also do that in a very creative way that um, cooperates with our brains, which are amazing things. And, and that's so interesting because, you know, there is this there is this other pull that we have on us at the moment as people are trying to understand, well, how do I manage people, remote workers, right? Because mm-hmm. not everybody's going back to the office um, and we are moving into very much this remote working world and a hybrid working world. And so managers, in some cases, are really concerned about are people putting in the hours and they're putting in the hours, you know, on, you know, fingers on laptop. But as you just said, if the work requires some creativity, some new connection to be made, sitting in front of the laptop's not always good to do it, right? So in fact, right. it probably even, won't. It, you know, you stepping away is going to be necessary. And then that's, you know, that creates a whole new parameter of how do I manage um, in this situation that people, I think people need to yes. think about. Exactly. And if you've got good uh, measurements for outcomes and progress in place, Mm -hmm. then you can really, I think, relax on a lot of that and recognize that just fingers on the laptop is not necessarily the best measure of the person being productive, because that kind of creative stepping away doesn't necessarily mean workshopping, free conversation, experimentation, it might just mean five or 10 minutes, and the change of scene the getting off the screen has allowed your brain to go, oh, that's what I need to do next in that project. Or that's how I should answer that email. It can be very simple and very practical, but our brains do it. And once you notice it, it really gives you the ability to not exhaust your brain with continual staring at a screen, but to get to that point where you've got something to solve and know that, okay, if, if I go away and throw the laundry on, or if I go away and take a five minute walk, I'm st- I can still be working because in a sense I'm freeing my brain to actually just solve the next thing or come up with an idea and once you notice that's happening you get you have to have notebooks everywhere <laughs> because you start realizing that solutions and ideas and things like that are coming to you um, at random t- it seems like random times but it's often just as you step away or, or change into this different mode right right so and, and that is when when the what we think of as being the subconscious part of the brain can start to make connections that we otherwise we might have been trying to force so we that we might yes. not see ourselves yes. so you work with with two uh, t- types of clients who i imagine think of themselves as being really different so you work with with artists who want to start a business based on their art and you work with business people who want to bring more creativity and innovation into their work how different are how different are they really I mean what are the big similarities and the big differences between your two groups of clients without without uh, giving anybody's secrets away well I think the big thing is that we need both the Artists and creatives need business skills 
And businesses need to understand the creative side of their team. So unlocking that creativity of a team is an art. And there are different ways you can do it. The way that I do it is by using drawing. So I teach an art of innovation workshop where in two hours I show teams how to draw a beautiful classical drawing, even if you can't draw stick figures. And that process has so much of the confusion endurance that it's about skills, not talent. It's about a process. It's reminding yourself how vulnerable change and creativity can feel. And all of those things are really helpful in for a team, remembering they are creative, we're all creative, affirming that, bringing empathy and compassion to the process. It, putting your ideas out there where someone can see them in a drawing can feel very vulnerable. And we feel very vulnerable when we're in a process of change or we're learning new things. And remembering that and bringing empathy to the process is very important. For artists, they know the creative side, but they haven't necessarily expanded their theory of creativity into recognizing that business skills, sales and marketing, organization, those are an extension of your creativity. So with the artists that I work with over my 90-day profitable artist method, I'm taking them through a process of building a website, um, getting clarity on, first of all, what they want to make, what they love to do, how much time they want to spend, how much money they want to make, helping them define their ideal customer and then their highest value offer. After we've done those things, then with the practical side, website, email list, social media optimization, all of that sort of thing. So they're the things that generally business know. But for business, doing the drawing workshop really helps them to, as a team, interact with this idea of creativity and affirm the fact that 100% of humans are creative and remind themselves of what confusion endurance looks and feels like so they can support each other in engaging in change management or you know a lean six sigma program of some sort because it's at that core you don't have the control over other people bringing their creativity to the process you need them to but you really have to give them that confidence that they are creative and encourage them to willingly bring all of themselves to this process and then the outcomes can be extraordinary but if you're trying to implement tools values and behaviors with people who don't think they really can contribute because they're really not the creative people then you're really starting off missing the core missing the heart of this program because people are not understanding themselves fully enough so that's kind of the two side. I see that the art skills and or the creative skills and the business skills work together um, in both of these arenas. Well, for the for the business people, especially for the leaders, what do you see is sort of the hardest thing for them to change? Well, I mean, change itself is hard, isn't it? Changes, but I well, think, of course it is. Yeah, but yeah. So maybe the hardest thing is to think that this is worth spending time on, you know, time is money. So we can get really efficient and think that, well, you know, we just need to get on with it. But just yeah. going that little bit slower and realizing, okay, but what's it going to take for us to get on with it? It's going to take a team of people who believe that they've got something to offer and who don't bail as soon as this feels uncomfortable. You're really prepping everybody to see that, look, we, we understand we anticipate this is going to feel uncomfortable, 
But as we go through the process and it becomes more familiar, we're going to get more and more efficient because this is the way the brain works. So I think it's one, recognizing that this is important. This is not some sort of arty-farty thing that has nothing to do with us efficient business people. This is really core to your team and getting the most out of your team in their, not only their problems problem solving skills but in their collaboration together and in their willingness to go on this journey of change with you if they're bailing because it feels uncomfortable and we've always done it this way before why do we need to do it this way and you know I'm just not good at this is how I work all all of these kind of things that crop up when you're trying to get a whole organization to move forward this is a tool that can really really help because you are affirming people that you believe in them they've got what it takes and that you're going to get through the discomfort together and you're going to go at a pace that allows everybody to catch up because the process is not going to be the same as this once we've established this and we're all comfortable with it it's going to feel very different than it did in the beginning so I think that's really the biggest thing is to recognize that this is an important part of efficiency but it feels so hard in the beginning as people are learning that new way of, of, of thinking and of being. And um, I really love what you're saying about, you know, just getting used to being uncomfortable because when they're at that learning edge, it's always going to feel uncomfortable. And for a company to be continually competitive and can continually meet the changing needs of the world, they're always going to have some part of the organization out in that uncomfortable space. So um, I just I just love the idea of people sort of going through these workshops and experiencing that discomfort that, you know, do, you know, what, you know, what does perseverance endurance feel like creating that empathy, but at the same time, when they're done with it, they actually have something beautiful that they, exactly. they can enjoy. This incredible outcome that is a tangible, visible reminder or declaration. You're creative that you, you've got the potential All you need are the skills and learning the skills. We're we're kind of condensing this whole journey of improvement and the the discomfort at the beginning, the I don't know what I'm doing, the learning the skills, persevering and coming out to a beautiful outcome. We're condensing this experience into an hour and a half or two hour workshop online. Uh, So, you know, people can do it all over the place. You can have a diverse team around the country or across the globe and they can all work on this project together, get the outcome And that then becomes a common experience, a common language that just encapsulates this whole longer journey that may take months or years for the organization to move through. But the lessons of vulnerability, of confusion, endurance, of skills, of creative potential, and of moving towards an outcome and enjoying, you know, the process may feel uncomfortable at times, but it's going to get easier all of those lessons stick. And in fact, people, I, the way that I show people how to draw, I encourage them to continue the practice as a five or 10 minute daily discipline, because it's like going to the gym. It's building these neural pathways for this diverse creative way of thinking in your brain. It's strengthening them. And it's also kind of giving you a timeout from the screen, a timeout where as you're drawing, your brain is freewheeling And it may be coming up with solutions for the other things that you're doing. So for that five or 10 minutes, it's a very powerful practice to incorporate into your regular routine. Wow. 
And then when, as you, when you're working with artists, where do they feel the most confusion endurance? Where, where is it? Where's that the sort of the hard learning place for them? Well, they've probably already done it in their art making. And in fact, the confusion endurance, the difficulty may have gone away to some degree uh -huh. in the creative process, in the art making process, but they've told themselves, well, I don't have, you know, business skills. Mm -hmm. So doing business planning, looking at their pricing, looking at their bookkeeping, looking at tech skills, organizing their website, their email list, all of that sort of stuff, there can be a resentment that they even need to do these things and a belief that they can't do these things. And of course, because they haven't done them, they're not good at them yet. So it feels bad. And so that just reinforces this loop. I'm not good at this. Instead of seeing, no, no, that's just the way that skills work. And you have developed confusion endurance. Now just bring that endurance to learning the business side of things. And what feels overwhelming and uncomfortable right now is going to get more and more doable. It's going to get easier. You're going to get faster. What takes you two days is going to take you, you know, 30 minutes down the track. You're just going to get so much better at it. And I'm there to sort of, hold their hand, help them see the big picture, help them see the next step and to just make it easier to know what to focus on and not just get lost in the weeds. You know, it, it's it's funny to me when, and by funny, I don't mean humorous, but, but interesting because I know business people who feel the same way. You know, the, the, feel, the feel as if, you know, my business idea, which was a very creative business idea, that's what it's all about. You know, and a little and that feeling of resentment. Why do I have to make a business plan? People should just flock to buy my thing, right? So um, I think that there are, you know, there are business people who, are, you know, feel exactly the same way. They know that it's very hard to understand. Well, there's a set of disciplines that you need to learn and follow. And yes, they're uncomfortable and they're not the way you're used to thinking about things. But if you learn them, um, they'll actually provide a nice stable um, place for you to, you know, to stand on as you move forward with your, with your business. Yeah. They'll um, really serve you. And it's been interesting um, being married to Mike, who's been in the lean world for a long time and him being able to talk to me about lean tools. It, it's been fantastic. Many artists view themselves as creatives. They're messy. They're disorganized, which actually isn't true <laughs> but bringing I think, you know 5s a tool like that to organize he, he helped me work through that in my studio and to have a place for everything and labels and I can't tell you how fantastic it is to the creative well you know <laughs> how great it is for the creative process to not lose the flow because you can't find that tube of paint but to right really yeah yeah, I, yeah it's great I, I I can totally imagine that and then I think that you know the other thing that um when you and I were talking a little bit before before, one of the things that really struck me was the idea of, uh, you know, doing doing studies, for example. So, so when you are um, aiming for a specific effect or a specific, you know, um, you know, a specific way that you would like a painting or another piece of mm -hmm. art to go, um, that you might take time to do smaller experiments right that you might you Definitely. might mix mix some paint or, or use different different textures or um you know do a drawing or do several drawings before you actually 
you know, put a, put a brush to canvas or, what, or whatever medium you're using. And that is not unlike what in Lean we're asking people to do with learning to solve problems, right? It's not about you're going to come up with the final solution, the masterpiece, the first time around. What you're going to yes. do is you're going to, you know, say, well, I'd like the sky to be this, you know, this kind of blue and I'd like the texture to be like this. Well, now, how do I get that? I've got to learn that. I have to practice that. Maybe along the way, I have, you know, what what uh, Bob Ross would call happy accidents and things that I would learn from and keep and use another time. But at the same time, you don't get to perfect or, you know, the thing that you wanted without going through these learning cycles. Exactly. And Mike made me laugh the other day. We were talking about PDCA, the Plan, Do, Check, Act, and, yeah. and how that... Um, having systems uh, standardization is the the thing that keeps that from rolling back down the hill and he just made the comment that there there is a difference between continuous improvement and instantaneous perfection it yeah. just made me laugh because <laughs> I mean, it's so obvious but we do think like that don't we we do want mm -hmm. to get to the end immediately we get very impatient and when we can be patient experiment but you know have boundaries on that when okay the experimentation time's over now it's time to evaluate and move on when we slow down and expect there to be iterations of the whole thing there's so much joy in the journey whether you're making art or making a business those steps can each be enjoyable in their own right it's the frustration of having to get to the end immediately I think that keeps us stressed and uh, just not enjoying the whole thing and I think that the whole thing can be um, a lot more enjoyable when we slow down and we recognise each step of the pathway. And I think when we're in that more relaxed state, we're bringing our best to our business or to our art making. Yeah, and and I think that's, it, you know, it doesn't matter if you're doing art or in business or making podcasts or, or what, you know, whatever it is that there is that, that is there, there is that, expectation that many of us have and sometimes it's given to us by our bosses or maybe by our customers that things are supposed to be perfect and we're supposed to have solutions and in lean you know we talk about I don't know if your if your husband's talked about this we talk about countermeasures right so we talk about a countermeasure rather than a solution because a countermeasure means that we have learned enough to solve the problem for now, but we know that things are going to change, that, you know, the direction of the wind will change, that the customer will change, but there is so much pressure these days to be perfect all the time, you know, so you don't, you know, um, and we're, yeah. we're, we're kind of hard on each other in we can so many be. respects. And just recognizing that life, we're, we're continually coming up with solutions that are good enough for now, and we're not afraid to change them. We're not just looking for that one perfect fix that's going to last forever, which I tend to naturally do. And I have to remind myself that it, this yeah. is not about, you know, plan, do, check, act once. This is a process. And it's okay if I keep finding ways of refining that. And it's okay if each one of those isn't perfect, but we're moving on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when we get to good standard, then um, we only hold on to it until we, it's time for yes. something better. If it's yeah. not broken, we're not going to fix it. <laughs> you know, Fiona, I love to I love to talk with my guests about what they see in education. And you're in Australia, right? That's and right. I'm wondering, in the educational system in Australia, are um, 
pupils encouraged to be both creative um, and academic? Are, are they pushed into one role or the other? I think there is more openness to both and seeing both. But when we get down to the nitty gritty of, okay, what am I going to do for a career? How am I going to get enough points in you know, my exams or whatever to get into something that's going to be a career that's going to make enough to live on? That's where I think things get a bit uh, unhelpful. And I think a lot of people are steered away from the arts. And there's, I think, grown um, an idea that artists need to be represented by a gallery that like, they need someone else to either take them on board or open the gates for them or give them permission or something and I think that the whole idea of being an artist entrepreneur is missing from the conversation and there are a lot of reasons for that but um, I get students coming into my Profitable Artist Method program to do my 90-day coaching on setting up their business. And they've just done a fine art degree and they have no idea how to operate a business. And so then they're constantly in the position of looking for grants or looking for a gallery to pick them up instead of recognising you can be freelance, you can be independent and this is how you go about it. Now, that's not, not everybody is not being told that. But in a lot of cases, people are not being told that. So, yeah, I would encourage anybody who's um, starting out on their art journey that if you're really interested in being a maker, then don't forget the sales and marketing skills too. Because if you can put those together, then you, the world's your oyster. You've got so many opportunities when you're able to be independent and you may want to work with a gallery. You may want to take on a project. You may even want to receive a grant. But if you're independent and can manage your income for yourself, that's a much better place to be in. You are in business as an artist. Um, and I encourage people to do that and think that way and build those skills. And that's so interesting because I'm thinking, you know, that's I think that's true about a lot of other potential ways of working. Like, you know, I'm thinking even in the case of, um, I know the medical system is a bit different in Australia, not as not as different as it is um, from the states as some other countries. But I've heard the same thing about um, physicians coming out of medical training and wanting to, for example, go into solo practice. But that's a business, right? And they have received absolutely no training on how to run a business. In addition to to being to being a doctor or, or you know even somebody who is um doing a different type of art you know someone who is a um you know potentially could be a, a musician or a, or, a, or a music teacher or a um even a tattoo artist right I actually I had a exactly. guest on the show an early guest on the show who talked about how she helped uh, helped someone from a lean perspective help them with their with their tattoo business or the I'm sorry it was a piercing business um because they they, you know, the business side was just not as apparent. Yes, exactly. It's a whole nother skill set. And so if you can put that, the business skill set and the creative skill set and start to see that there's, there are a lot more overlaps than you, we may have thought, um, I think wonderful things open up in lots of industries. 
Yeah. And then there's something that sort of goes the other way. So um, you could almost imagine a business that was able to do that, hiring a resident artist, right? To um, yeah, because For there's sure. so much, so much that a, that, a, that a resident artist could do in a business from helping people be more creative to helping to to document but what's been happening in the business in a completely different way from the way it usually is yes and and one of those ways um Rebecca Seal talks about in her book solo this book is all for you know solo workers working at home alone uh, but she makes some very interesting observations out of her research about environments that are almost sterile in and because we're in, within lean there's a lot of efficiency we can be guilty of doing this where it's all about functionality and she said research has shown that bringing in things like art that we have chosen and plants things like that into the working environment they actually increase our productivity which is fascinating enriched environments are very productive so balancing that with all of the true and very important things that we know about lean uh, I think those are exciting combinations so yeah I, I think yeah. lots that artists can bring to business right right so we'll we'll just have to work on on making that happen I think every I think I personally think every big at least big enough organization who can afford it needs a needs a sociologist and an artist and a philosopher and um a play therapist like they have in children's hospitals. And I think if you had all of those, those people working in your company, um, you would have no problem with employee engagement, provided the managers were behaving themselves. <laughs> I love it. Very good. Yes. Well, if you're looking to start down that path um, in a simple way, you can check out my website, fionavalentine.com and the Art of Innovation Workshop, which is designed for businesses to do online and bring their team to be able to engage in this drawing workshop and talk about all the ways that unpacking your creativity can train your brain for creativity and innovation in particularly in your lean programs and the implementation of that it's it's so, it's so needed because you can't solve problems without creativity um it's it's one thing to look what another company has done and adopt what they've done but when it comes to your own company's problems your the, your own situations um your own unique customers you will have to use creativity and um, what Absolutely. you're talking about about really unle unleashing everybody's cre creativity can only be good for the organization it's, yeah it's key to the success of, of all of that happening so it's a good place to start Fiona Valentine, what would be your one piece of advice for a young person studying out nowadays? If they're starting out in wanting to learn about drawing and painting, I would say recognize that your creativity is innate, but the skills to draw and paint can be learned and that skills are not going to limit your creativity. They're going to give it wings. And if you decide that you love the drawing and painting so much that you want to turn it into a career, then I would look first at equipping yourself with those sales and marketing skills so that you can be an independent entrepreneur. And then whatever you do with your career after that, at your core, you've got something very powerful and very strong where you've taken charge of your creativity, both on the making side to learn those skills and on the business side to learn those skills. So that would be my advice that 
anything is possible. You've got an enormous amount of potential. You've got enough talent and creativity to make beautiful art and a beautiful business. What you need are skills. So focus on getting those skills and enjoy the journey. There's no hurry. Fiona Valentine, it's been such a pleasure spending time with you and thinking about creativity. And um, for those of you who are listening and not watching on YouTube, Fiona has a beautiful painting behind her. And I'm just running just before we close, could you describe that painting for those people who are listening? It's a very simple scene of stillness, big, beautiful sky, sun very low, near a lake. So huge reflections of the sky and just a very narrow peninsula of, um, or just the edge of the lake where you can see trees and their reflections. I'm a big lover of open spaces and sky and water reflections. And that's all reflected in this with really purple and pink and very soft sort of pearlescent colours. I think that really reflects who you are as a person. So thank you. Thank you for travelling with me to the edges of Lean. Thank you for having me. Delight to have this conversation. This is Bella Engelbach, and I'd like to thank Fiona Valentine for being my guest on The Edges of Lean. How do you express your creativity? What are your challenges and successes with creativity and lean thinking? We'd love to hear from you. Find Fiona at fionavalentine.com or on LinkedIn. Find me on LinkedIn or at leanforhumans.com or comment wherever you watch or listen. Hey, subscribe to the podcast and tell a friend about the edges of lean. Please join me in exploring more of the edges of lean. There's a lot to learn and check out my friends in the Lean Communicators community at leancommunicators.com. You'll find more podcasts and videos with lots of great new content every week. The Edges of Lean is written and produced by Bella Engelbach with support from Podcast Inc. This is a Lean for Humans production.